cultures may have lots in common. Yet remember, two magnets with the same polarity do not stick together. They say that differences are dangerous, yet seven stripes on the same color will never make a rainbow. Don't be deceived by similarities, but don't focus too much on the differences. Devil is in the details. Same but different. Series aims to show what national cultures have in common, what makes them different, and how both the similarities and differences influence the way we do business. When communicating with your American colleagues, keep in mind that they prefer a straightforward and direct approach to ensure that they are understood clearly and correctly. For US Americans, it's different. For them, silence is not golden. Communication between UK speakers is finely nuanced. Given negative feedback is one of the cases when Americans tend to drop their low-context communication. Feedback should be given in a respectful and balanced way to emphasize the positives as well as the needs for development. British subordinates are often actively encouraged to give feedback on manager performance as well. Welcome to the second part of Same But Different on the US and UK. And just to recap, previously we spoke about small talk, self-promotion and expressing emotions in the workplace. If you're interested, we wholeheartedly encourage you to listen to the first podcast. In this one, we would like to give you some practical tips and life hacks on how to iron out misunderstandings and elevate your communication with your clients and colleagues from the UK and the US. So, over to you, Agata. Thank you, Inessa. If you listened to the first part, you might have gotten the impression that both communication cultures are quite far apart. Well, it is true to some extent, but some principles are shared and are definitely worth mentioning. The first one would be the importance of written communication. So make sure that you include documents like meeting agendas, post-meeting minutes, or simple meeting recaps in email format, like, as a follow-up to our conversation earlier today, here are the main points we discussed. When it comes to task-based communication via Slack or Teams, you might notice that it's often stripped of polite greetings and pleasantries. So yes, it can be pretty direct and to the point as well. The second touch point would be stating and clarifying your intention early, whether verbally or in writing. For example, I'm reaching out to make sure that you have all necessary data. Your message could be structured using the inverted pyramid. So focus on the most important information first. This is your what. Then details, so what? And finally, a call to action, now what? In a nutshell, cut to the chase and answer the question first before you give extended details. And finally, quite common presenting style can be captured in the following. Tell them what you're going to tell them. Tell them. Tell them what you've told them. It does sound pretty confusing, right? <laughs> right, it does. Um, so there is a lot of double-checking. Are we on the same page? Recapping. And there is usually a key takeaway slide. And one more thing. Um, the pace of most presentations is quite dynamic. So Q&A moments can be spontaneous throughout the presentation and not necessarily take last five or ten minutes. So yes, these are the touch points. Thank you, Agata, for sharing these reminders. 
I'm sure they can help elevate communication with your colleagues or clients from the UK and US. How about now we zoom in on communication cultures and on how directly or indirectly the two cultures communicate? When it comes to American communication culture, it is known for being quite direct or low context with simple and clear messages expressed and understood at their face value. The exception is probably saying no. Here instead, US Americans would use phrases such as, hmm, I'm not too sure about that, or I'll have to think about that, and also giving negative feedback. Researchers state that the reason why American culture is so low context is because people's backgrounds and subcultures are so varied that relatively little can be assumed without explicit explanations, and people are used to providing them. So when communicating with your American colleagues, keep in mind that they prefer a straightforward and direct approach to ensure that they are understood clearly and correctly. Um, and what about commenting and reacting? Because my UK experience is that when you hear, have you got any questions? Have you got any comments? It's customary to say, no, all good, all clear, we can move on, rather than keeping silent. Um, would you say it's the same story in the US? I'd say it's totally the same. And I believe that we should emphasize it for our listeners from more high context and more hierarchical cultures, where silence might mean agreeing with what you hear. Uh, for US Americans, it's different. For them, silence is not golden. If you keep quiet during the meeting, your American vis-a-vis -vis might interpret it as a lack of involvement, indifference, or anger or disagreement. That is why it is so important to speak up at a team meeting when you hear, what questions do you have? Even if you don't have any major questions and nothing to disagree with, you could just support the idea that you have just heard. By doing this, you let your colleagues know that you're present, engaged, and interested in the topic at hand. And yet another case of keeping silent would be not replying to written communication. So imagine your American client sends you an email asking to make some changes and you don't reply thinking that it goes without saying that you will make those changes. Chances are that your silence will be taken as disagreement and not as compliance as you might think. And you might not kick off your project timely. One more thing that I simply must mention and which actually flies in the face of low context communication is using sports jargon and idioms originating from baseball, American football, basketball, and so on in casual and business conversations. US Americans use them a lot. So if you don't want to be served the curveball, familiarize yourself with some idioms used in business and it will be a surefire way to impress your American colleagues. Agatha, where are the Brits on the line of high and low context communication? Um, I think that the British are high context communicators generally, as a great deal of information is implied rather than explicit. So you have to master the art of reading between the lines. Communication between UK speakers is finely nuanced. People can signal intent through their words, but also through features such as tone of voice, subtle nonverbal cues. What people say is not always what they mean. So they might say, for example, that sounds like a good idea when they mean you're talking gibberish or that's an interesting viewpoint when they actually mean 
I strongly disagree with you. Even when you hear let's have lunch together or let's catch up soon, just a polite way to finish a conversation without feeling awkward rather than an actual invitation. Ultra politeness and high context style of communication can conceal various emotions and attitudes, from humor to sarcasm, from fundamental agreement to disagreement with the previous speaker. Because of this, the potential for misunderstanding is high, and I believe even native speakers will often seek further clarification by asking, for example, what do you mean by that when they perceive a challenge, even when none has been intended? Or you will invite the other person to elaborate to get a better sense of their meaning or check out if the understanding is accurate by asking, "Hmm, so are you saying... um, I believe that this partly explains why people value trust so highly and the importance of relationship building. On the other hand, it could also partly explain the importance of inclusive language and embedding equality and diversity. So to wrap up, the British politeness culture expressed through thank you for your patience. I appreciate you going above and beyond. Have a lovely weekend, but also apologies for a late response. All these, together with softening your messages, are very important. Keep that in mind, be observant and iron out some misunderstanding early if you sense that you have done something offensive. Um, Inessa, there is one more point to take on our agenda. Feedback. Right, feedback. And as I've already mentioned, giving negative feedback is one of the cases when Americans tend to drop their low-context communication. This is where downgraders such as kind of, sort of, a little bit, maybe, and slightly come into play. Negative feedback and criticism most likely will be sugar-coated by polite words and a friendly intonation. So don't be misled by such phrases as why don't you, or maybe you should, because coming from your clients, they most likely mean that you do not have much choice but do what they're asking for. Another reason why you might not recognize the negative feedback is that Americans often tend to wrap it into positive one. In her book, The Culture Map, Erin Mayer shares a very illustrative example. In some Silicon Valley companies, managers are given the template, asking them to list three things the employee does really, really well. And then managers are given just one box to explain what the employee should be doing different. Of course, in business environment, there are a lot of situations when negative feedback is given on specific ideas or their implementation. And in that case, Americans tend to stick to the principle, harden facts and soften people. Instead of focusing on who made a mistake, it's important to figure out what should be done to fix it and avoid making the same mistakes in the future. Agata, do British people keep their high-context communication when giving feedback? Mm, I would I would definitely say yes. Um, it is considered best practice to preserve employees' dignity when giving feedback and to invite a dialogue to co-produce shared understanding of the situation. That's the key. Feedback should be given in a respectful and balanced way to emphasize the positives as well as the needs for development. And I know that it might be tricky to decode 
um, such indirect and high context information. At least it, it was a bit tricky for me at the beginning. And you might be left wondering what the overall outcome is. Is my manager satisfied with my performance or not? So if you're in doubt, I suggest paying attention to some phrases like not quite there yet, or I got the impression that you, as they suggest some room for improvements. In the UK, employees are often able to voice views about the way work outputs should be achieved through what's working well, not so well, on meeting agendas or during informal conversations as well. So a lot of, you know, self-reflecting. Um, you might be encouraged more explicitly to reflect on how things are going during your one-to-ones with management. Um, also, most workplaces are mindful of lawful practice and employee feedback is usually given within an established framework of organizational policies and code of practice, such as health and safety, performance management, equality and diversity, and so on. So if possible, maybe find out if such could be shared with your team. And to finish off, British subordinates are often actively encouraged to give feedback on manager performance as well. Um, I always used to ask my secondary school students for daily feedback. For example, how helpful were the resources I prepared for you? Or did I answer all your questions today? Trust me, uh, it helps to grow as a professional a lot. Well, we hope that today's episode of Same But Different will help you, our dear listeners, grow as professionals. And stay tuned for more. Thank you for being with us.